A banner day for Max Verstappen and Red Bull Racing. The fifth win in a row for the team. Verstappen's fifth of the season, running away with the Austrian Grand Prix at their home track. I'm Tony Desiri. This is the Overtake F1 podcast. We're going to have a review of the Austrian Grand Prix, not only dissecting Verstappen's performance, but everyone else in the field and taking a look at some of the controversial penalties that were doled out. The arguments for and against what is and what isn't racing these days in Formula One. Uh, what a performance, however, by Verstappen. It was in front of the Orange Army, who were loud and proud for Max. It was never in doubt a Grand Slam weekend. He started from pole. He led every single lap. He won the race. He also earned the fastest lap point. And then when you combine that with a P4 for Lewis Hamilton and his struggles, he extends the championship lead as they head into Silverstone. We'll get into everything that happened in this race. There's quite a lot to dissect outside of the performance by Verstappen. But first, please subscribe. It is the Overtake F one podcast and leave us a review if you like what we're doing share it with your friends because as we continue to grow this podcast i really do appreciate your listenership all right so let's run down the austrian grand prix verstappen starting from the pole he gets out in front on lap one lando norris who's qualified p2 is right behind him and followed by sergio perez the two Mercedes, they didn't have a really good qualifying run. They finished fourth and fifth, but, you know, they're going to make their way up through the field. But the safety car, it comes out immediately after Antonio Giovinazzi clips Esteban Ocon. That ended his race, and then it was back to racing on lap four. Then it starts to get really interesting. Lando Norris fighting with Sergio Perez for position. They head into turn four. Perez is trying to go by him on the outside. He goes into the gravel and comes back into the field 10th. Now, did Perez have the position? Was it just hard racing between the two drivers? We'll get to that answer later on because there's a lot to unpack there, but the stewards hand Lando a five-second penalty for forcing Perez off the track. Norris was then overtaken by Lewis Hamilton on lap 20. On lap 31, Norris pits takes the penalty, and because of that, Valtteri Bottas moves past him, and then Norris comes out fourth behind the two Mercedes. This will be key later on, I, I, I promise. Meanwhile, Sergio Perez is trying to get back into the front of the pack, and he tangles with Charles Leclerc. He gets a five-second penalty. The two continue to race, and Leclerc makes another move on Perez and once again goes into the gravel, so that's two penalties for Sergio Perez. After a race, Perez did apologize to Leclerc. He cited dirty air, old tires, late braking for the contact. However, he didn't let Lando off the hook. He said that ruined his race after suffering some damage in the gravel. And while this was going on, Verstappen is like lapping the field. It was, it was impressive. All right, so let's get to Mercedes real quick. Hamilton had moved up to second after overtaking Norris. And while he was 10 seconds behind Verstappen when he did, it was starting to look like last week's steering Grand Prix. Hamilton in that race was content for second place, keeping the championship fight as close as he possibly can. However, however, and it's a big, big hold on. He suffered some damage on the curbs and that resulted in some downforce loss. And it was starting to cost him, according to Mercedes, about a half a second per lap, and Botas was behind him. So earlier in the race, Botas was on orders not to race with Hamilton, but then after a while, that changed with the damage to Hamilton's car slowing him down. And the reason why is Lando Norris was right behind both of them, and Mercedes made the decision to let Botas pass Hamilton to get away from Norris. Now, I, I believe this was totally behind the constructor's title because this is something you don't normally see, right? Hamilton has a chance to win the championship and Botas does not. 
you protect Hamilton to ride second because, as I was mentioning earlier, you know, in the Styrian Grand Prix, Hamilton was very content with a second-place finish. I don't have the pace against Max, but I certainly can leave here with as limited damage as I can. That had to have been the mindset of Hamilton, even with the downforce damage on his car, saying, look, if I can just get out of here with a P2, right? It's it's certainly not our day to win this race, but if I can get out of here with a P2, then I'm going to be okay. And I got a guy behind me that's not going to race with me. So I'm worried about the guy two cars down. And I think that was the strategic play by Mercedes. They were like, well, if Norris passes Botas, he's absolutely going to pass you. And therefore, we're going to finish third and fourth. And right now, we'd rather put ourselves in a position to finish second or third. And if Lando passes you, second and fourth, which is exactly what played out. Now, I guess this strategy works, again, if you're having the Constructors' Championship in mind. It absolutely doesn't work if you're trying to keep Lewis in contention for the championship. Now, look, there's a lot of races to go, and there's going to be a lot of tracks on that schedule that are going to favor Mercedes. But right now, it's a Red Bull domination. I mean, a complete domination. So it just seems to me that Mercedes did not feel confident that Botas would hold back Norris enough to allow Hamilton to sort of ride it out and finish P2. Like I said, Botas is isn't going to pass him if he's on orders not to. But then once they made the decision to let Botas pass and have him run in second and Hamilton just fall back to where he was, maybe run third, maybe Norris passes him, and then he finishes fourth. So this absolutely was a play for the Constructors' Championship and let the Drivers' Championship play out the way it does. So at lap 54, this is where Norris got Hamilton. It came at turn six, and now it was time to try to catch Botas, which he was not able to do despite closing the gap to about a second on a few occasions. Botas, though, was too strong, held on to P2. Norris, hindered by that penalty, he could have finished P2, probably should have finished P2 if he wasn't penalized those five seconds. Hamilton ran fourth and now trails Verstappen by 32 points, Heading into the break and then the British Grand Prix coming up in two weeks. George Russell, he had a chance for a top 10 finish, however, denied by Fernando Alonso late in the race. He settles for P13. He had gotten a Q3 on Saturday, and that was great, and ended up starting the race eighth. But again, this race defined by Max Verstappen. He did everything right all weekend long and again, did it in front of his crowd. The Orange Army is fantastic, by the way. If you are unfamiliar with their sort of dedication to Max Verstappen, and if you live in the United States, there are two fan bases in sports that you probably know that are really strong. The Pittsburgh Steelers, when the Steelers go on the road, the stadium in which they're visiting is filled with terrible towels as fans were able to get their hands on tickets. Kentucky men's basketball fans will buy up tickets to the SEC tournament, NCAA tournament, whatever they can get their hands on. They travel really well, too. Orange Army, just like that. They are loud, proud. It was a lot of fun to watch. Glad to see the crowds back in the stands, and especially for them to see not only Max Verstappen win that race, but dominate the weekend. Anybody that went into the Red Bull ring to watch anything going on this weekend, watch Max put on a show. And by the way, that race in the Netherlands coming up later on this year, it's going to be crazy. Crazy fun. I'm really looking forward to watching that. All right, so let's get to those penalties because they were a source of heated conversation on social media. The Norris penalty drew the strongest arguments. Those who think the penalty was not warranted are saying two things. One, Lando had the racing line and was under no obligation to move to accommodate Perez as he attempted his pass because Perez was going to the outside. Christian Hoyner pointed this out in his opinion. Now, this is the Red Bull boss, and he's not supporting his driver on this. He did not think Lando Norris deserved a penalty for this. They're also saying you got to let guys race, and this penalty takes that element away, also citing some inconsistencies 
penalty, as we've seen this sort of move done in the past that did not result in a penalty. Now, those who think the FIA should have penalized Norris say that he should have given Perez room since the cars were side by side into turn four. And that's the rule that's in the books. Now, I, for one, I think this penalty was too harsh. Yes, Checo had the car on the side of Norris. It was not a nose. It was not just an edge. It was the car. However, the fact that he was on the outside, that's the real argument for me. If you pass on the outside of a corner, you run the risk of going off the track. That is sort of a standard racing thing. Perez going into the gravel rather than a runoff area, that shouldn't have mattered either. And as many have said, this is going back to their karting days. With the penalty, the FIA had to do the same thing with Perez when he got, up, got caught up with Charles Leclerc on two separate occasions. And don't get me wrong, I understand a rule is a rule, and it's in place for a reason. You can't have drivers running other cars off the road because they don't like where they're passing. I get it. But I think the FIA is lacking consistency here, and that's been a problem. This is something that's going to get readdressed. You'll hear about this later down the road, especially if it happens again. The FIA can is looking at every single incident and they're trying to separate it saying, well, these circumstances are different than other circumstances because people are immediately throwing all sorts of previous incidents at them saying, well, why didn't you penalize this guy when he did this? And why didn't you penalize this person when he did that? And the FIA really has to make sure it's consistent. We don't like sort of these floating things, even if they're a little bit different, even if each circumstance is a little bit different. If you can narrow it down to why a penalty was assessed because it broke a rule, then you have to go through all the other incidents where you did not assess a penalty and explain why that rule wasn't in place at that particular time. And that's no good. We don't want Major League Baseball umpires to have their own strike zone. We don't want NBA referees to determine what is traveling and what isn't. We allow officials so much leeway in other sports that it ruins the consistency of it. And that is what is in danger here. If I'm a team principal, this has me very concerned. I want to make sure that A, there's consistency, but two, my drivers are trained for certain racing aspects. Lando Norris has been trained in all of his years of racing and going back to his karting days. If somebody's passing you on the outside, they're the ones that run the risk. Now, I will concede that one of the problems with the let them race line is that you also then become a lot lenient if you're looking for just good action, and it also can be very dangerous. There is a line, and the line is supposed to be determined, but it's not as it doesn't have the flexibility that we've been seeing, and that's where I think is driving people a little bit nuts. This happens in a lot of sports. Whenever there's a controversial ruling, people are quick to point out when their team was robbed by a call that was or wasn't made. That's not being consistent here. That's what's going to happen here in Formula One. You've got you're going to have a bunch of people who root for certain drivers who were once penalized for this saying that it was fair. And then drivers that weren't penalized saying, well, you, you didn't do it when my guy went into the gravel, you didn't call a penalty when my guy went into the wall. And that is going to be a problem for formula one, but also live by the same rules of politics, right? Don't ever let a good crisis go to waste. All right. So let's run through the teams. Uh, Red Bull, obviously great day for Max. It was not a good one for Perez, but the team does leave Austria after two great weekends. They lead the championship and the constructors. Perez did manage manage a P6 with both going off the track and the two penalties for Stappen has now won all three races of this triple header. And here's the thing. He's showing a level of dominance that we used to see from Mercedes. And so it's really been flipped. Now, don't get me wrong. His championship is far from over. We're not even at the halfway point. And there's going to be a lot of tracks in which Mercedes is going to be very, very strong. But right now there is a cloak of invincibility on Verstappen right now. He doesn't seem to be able to do anything wrong. He seems to be able to just win these races dominate the weekend 
And that is a concern for the Silver Arrows. As for Mercedes, look, it wasn't a terrible, terrible day, but it wasn't great either. Botas a P2, solid run. The damage to Hamilton left him fourth and out of the podium finish. It's been five races since Hamilton won. You got to go all the way back to Barcelona, which feels like 100 years ago. The team did decide on the strategy to prevent Norris from catching both cars. But had Norris not been given the penalty, I mean, it could have been a P3 for Botas. Uh, are there upgrades coming? Yeah. Will they help? Probably. How much? I don't know. Total Wolf is right, though. One DNF by Verstappen, and the championship fight is right back. Right back to where it was. Uh, McLaren, what am I going to say that hasn't already been said about Lando Norris this season? It has been spectacular. He fought off Mercedes for a good bit of time at the beginning. The penalty cost him a spot to Botas, but he was charging at the end. He ends up on the podium for the third time this year. It's just been remarkable. He's got a point in every single race, continues that streak. Daniel Ricciardo bounced back for a P7 after a disappointing qualifying. He started P13. He moved his way up the field like he did last week at the Styrian Grand Prix. But in that race, he had power issues and was never able to get back to the front. But he didn't have any problems this time. He finishes P7. Couldn't hold off Sergio Perez or Carlos Sainz at the end, but it's still a very good result for McLaren, who's holding on to P3 in the Constructors' Championship. Ferrari, they had an interesting strategy for this race. Both drivers did not make it to Q3, so because of that, they had their choice of tires, and they elected to put both drivers on the hard tires to start the race. Now, yes, they both dropped back as the race got going, but going longer allowed them to get back into the top 10, and then fresher tires gave them a good run. Uh, Carlos Sainz ended up fifth after the time penalties were applied to Perez, and as for Charles Leclerc, he ran eighth. He also started on the hard tires. He let Carlos pass him on fresher tires. So again, this was a pretty good result for Ferrari this weekend, just like last week. Uh, Alpine, Fernando Alonso was furious at Sebastian Vettel during Q2 qualifying. He was coming off turn nine on a flying lap. And then as he was turning into turn eight, he ran into the back of the queue that was lining up for their final run at qualifying. So this cost Alonso a shot at Q3. He said afterwards that it probably will cost him a shot of points on Sunday. However, he did get points on Sunday. He passed George Russell for P10. Even if he kind of said, I didn't really like doing that. Nevertheless, he got the point. As for Esteban Ocon, this has been a terrible three races for the Frenchman. I had him in my bottom five last week. He got pinched on lap one, suffered suspension damage, had to drop out of the race. So we were talking about a P14 at Paul Ricard, a P14 last week, a DNF this Sunday. This has just been a run of bad luck for Ocon. But, hey, he got that three-year contract extension, so good for him. I asked in Martin, no points for either driver. Sebastian Metal didn't make it across the line of being hit by Kimi Raikkonen on the final lap. And Stroll did finish 13th. Now, both drivers were on the softs, and they were making them work early in the race, but they needed two stops, and that didn't work out. Stroll also was penalized for speeding in the pit lane. Both drivers were in Q3 on Saturday. Vettel did suffer a three-place grid penalty after the incident with Alonso, so he ended up 11th on the softs after he qualified 8th. Uh, Williams, a tough day for George Russell. He finished 11th, did not get that point that he wanted. Because of the Vettel penalty, he was he qualified 9th but started 8th. He did fall back. He got to 10th, and he held that for a long time. But as you were watching, you just kind of got the feeling that Alonzo was going to pass him, and he did. Uh, Nicholas Latifi, nothing to write home about. He finished P14. Alfatari, Pierre Gasly was looking for a good result after a DNF last week. He finished 9th after qualifying 6th. In fact, both drivers made it to Q3. Yuki Tsunoda started seventh. Uh, they started on the soft tires. They struggled a bit with them, and they had to fight for uh, to be part of the top 
of the field again. Sonoda had two penalties for pit lane infractions, so in the end, he finished 12th outside the points. Alfa Romeo, Kimi finished 16th. He got a 20-second penalty for his collision with Seb on the final lap. Uh, something Vettel said was a miscommunication. Uh, Antonio Giovinazzi ran 14th. Haas, Mick Schumacher, 18th. Nikita Mazepin, 19th. Mazepin did get a little bit of a trouble for not slowing down during the double yellow at the end. So, you know, his... And keeps rolling along, doesn't he? Uh, the triple header is done. It's now time for a break. They head to the British Grand Prix at Silverstone. It's also the start of the sprint qualifying racing that weekend, so I'm curious of how that's going to play out. Uh, one bit of news, Lewis Hamilton signed a two-year contract extension with Mercedes that keeps him in the car through 2023. However, who his teammate's going to be that is left further down the road. So one final thought on the Austrian Grand Prix. This race was won on Saturday. This race was won in qualifying. And I hate saying that because I want to give Mercedes sort of the fighting chance when Red Bull and Max Verstappen start a race from pole position. But once that occurred on Saturday, I knew Verstappen was going to dominate and win this race. I think many of you did too. But this is really the first time I felt I could say that this season. I mean, when you think about the other races and how they played out, like go back to Bahrain, for example, you know, it's a good battle between Verstappen and Hamilton at the end. It's a less than a second at the finish. You go to Imola, Verstappen starts third. He jumps to the front. He dominates the race. Certainly didn't feel like that was going to happen when they went to lights out. Portimao was not a track Verstappen particularly liked. And Barcelona, remember, that was the track where Hamilton used that two-stop strategy to catch Verstappen and win that race. Monaco, Charles Leclerc was going to start from pole position, could not. Verstappen ended up with the sort of the pole slot, and he ended up dominating that race. But, you know, we didn't know until Sunday whether or not Charles Leclerc was going to start that race. Then we go to Baku, and Leclerc starts from pole again. But you know he doesn't have the pace as Mercedes or Red Bull. You just don't know which one is going to end up taking over the race and get the checkered flag. And then even in France, I mean, Verstappen started from pole, but they made that early mistake. Hamilton is right beside him. He takes the lead. Verstappen does the old sort of two-stop strategy on Hamilton to win that race. And then last week at the Styrian Grand Prix, yeah, it's the Red Bull ring, but I didn't think that Lewis Hamilton was going to fall that far back in that race. So on Saturday, I didn't get the feeling like the race was already won. This was the first time this year of nine races that I felt this race is done. I didn't care that Pirelli had gone with softer compounds for this race compared to the Styrian Grand Prix. I didn't care about Mercedes' wacky setup that didn't work out for the Styrian Grand Prix. I didn't care about anything. The only thing that I knew was Verstappen was going to win. I didn't know how much, but I knew he was going to win. And again, that's the first time this year that I really felt that from the pole sitter. Now at Silverstone, there's going to be a sprint qualifying. It is a racetrack Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes do very well at. So maybe we'll be back to sort of the little bit of mystery as to how the Sunday race is going to unfold. But as far as the Austrian Grand Prix, again, you couldn't put it in any better terms. It was a grand slam for Max Verstappen doing it in front of his fans and just owning the entire weekend. All right, so that's our review of the Austrian Grand Prix. Hit me up on Twitter, at Tony D Radio. Give me your thoughts on the racing incident between Sergio Perez and Lando Norris. Your thoughts on that, whether or not a penalty should or should not have been given. Later on this week, we will have a last lap news and notes segment since Formula One has the weekend off, and then we will follow it up the following week with a preview of the British Grand Prix from Silverstone, one of my favorite tracks on this circuit. If you'd like to contact the show, you can do so at the Overtake F1 podcast at gmail.com. Also, subscribe, leave us a good review if you like what we're doing, and spread the word about what we're doing here at the Overtake. All right, I'm Tony Dazeri. We will see you later on this week for a Fast Lap News and Nook segment. Thanks for listening. Again, this is the Overtake F1 podcast.